Well, good morning. For those who may be joining us for the first time or may not know who I am, as Jasmine said, my name is Jordan and I am part of the team here at Uni Hill Church and it's fantastic to have you here gathered with us this morning, whether that's in person in the room or joining us online. We hope you enjoy this service. We hope you leave blessed, encouraged, knowing more about our glorious Saviour, Jesus. Now, so as some of you may be aware, I have recently... And by recently, I mean about six months ago, entered into my 30s. Hard to believe I know. I look like a 15-year-old, but here we are. I'm 30. But it's been an experience so far, let me tell you. Give me a wave if you are under 30 in this room this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Give me a wave if you are over 30 this morning. My people. Now, if you're over 30, leave your hand up. Under 30s, take a good hard look. This is your future. And it's bright by the looks of things. And yes, that had absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I thought it just might be a bit of fun to make the young people know there are older people here we can learn from. Not calling you old if you're over 30. But what I'm about to say may be shocking. Some of you may be fired up. I may get an email this week. And as per usual, if you have any feedback for me, please feel free to send it to greg at unihillchurch.com.au and he will respond to you within two business days. But I've been reflecting upon a lot of things now that I've turned 30. And one thing I've realised is this, and you've all been warned. I have never eaten a whole piece of fruit in my life. Hard to believe I know. How doesn't he have scurvy, I hear some of you say. I'm not 100% sure either. But I've never just had that inkling to go, oh, here's a whole apple. I'm going to eat this. But for clarity, I did eat a few grapes this year. I ate three to be precise. And on the third, I said, this is not for me. And I did make an apple pie. And because it was covered in sugar, I thought, I can get down for this. But why am I telling you about all of this? Because who could be more qualified to talk about fruit than a man that's never eaten a whole piece of fruit in his life? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit this morning. A few of you in your head, all the Sunday school songs are coming back to you about the fruit of the Spirit is love. Wow, one of you paid attention in UHK. Well done. Thank you, Joy. Always a great support to me. But we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit as described by the Apostle Paul when writing to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5. And the question that we'll be asking ourselves this morning in our time together is this, what is the fruit coming out of our lives? But before we dive into this passage of Scripture together today, let's all take a moment to stand, to stop, to settle our hearts and our minds and pray together. So to stand with me, I'd love to pray before we open the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can approach your living Word, Father. Lord, speak to us this morning, Father. Don't let us leave this room the same as we walked in, Lord. Let us know more about your incredible Son. Let us be more transformed into your image, Father. And Holy Spirit, minister to us this morning as we spend time in this scripture. Father, let any words that are from me drop away, Father, and let any from you stay. We love you so much. In your precious name, amen. Amen. You may all grab a seat. If you have your Bibles with you here today, I'd love to encourage you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And whilst we'll be specifically exploring verses 22 to 24 together, we're going to read from verse 16 all the way through to verse 26, as it's always so important that we read the whole passage of Scripture surrounding our key verse, so that we can get a sense of context to see what Paul is saying to the Galatians in this letter to them. 
At this point, when Paul is writing to them, a crisis has hit the church in Galatia. The church of Galatia came into being and was birthed out of a move of God's spirit at the work in Paul's proclamation of the gospel when he, visited, when he originally visited them. But since then, as Paul left to continue his missionary journeys, and as many biblical scholars point out, that the, as we as a reader can see that the church had either been visited or infiltrated by false teachers, whom Paul refers to in this letter as those who trouble you. Because these people who were troubling them were arguing that Christians needed to be circumcised in accordance to Jewish law. But Paul argues and insists that we aren't saved by keeping the commands of the Torah, which is great news for all of us in this room today. But they were saved by faith in Christ. Three weeks ago at Easter, we reflected upon this life-changing sacrifice by Jesus for all of us. And Paul also reminds the Galatian Christians that they now have access to a spirit-led life and their lives are no longer marked by sins or the language he uses, the works of the flesh. And that we're now free to bear fruit that serves the neighbour through love. So with this context in mind, let's read together from verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. It's also worth noting, as some commentaries do, that the fruit of their spirit primarily consists of attitudes and actions and enhanced personal relationships, which was precisely the weakness of the Galatians. When I read that and considered the fruit of the spirit from that perspective, it made me stop and ask the question, what are the attitudes and actions that I'm expressing in my own life? Are they in line with what I see here? Are they love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control? And it would surprise no one in this room this morning to hear me say that we are living in a divisive and fractured time, especially considering the last two years. And perhaps for some of us here today, there is something in this passage that the Holy Spirit wants to unlock this morning to help us in our personal relationships. Perhaps it's with that work colleague or a family member. Perhaps that today is a morning where we hear what the living word of God is saying to us and ask the Spirit to lead us. Perhaps as followers of Jesus, because sorry, because as followers of Jesus, we are called to live a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-led life. And what could be more countercultural? than in this moment of history we find ourselves in. Imagine if by living different and in step with the Spirit, it showed Jesus to those around us in a tangible way. Imagine if people encountered the one true and living God because of the fruit He was producing in our lives. 
But I think it's also important to stop and consider what Paul is saying in the following verse. In this verse, Paul explains that the spirit in our sinful nature or the flesh in his words are mutually exclusive. How many times have we simply seen, or dare I say it, and I'm most definitely including myself in this next statement, being a people that are more reflective of the culture around us than a people of joy, peace, or of our saviour. And for the Galatians that Paul was writing to, this is what had happened. They had heard the good news that they were saved by faith and now lives in sons and daughters of the Most High Living God, but they had lost their way. But Paul is urging them to remember these life-changing and paradigm-shifting truths that we are saved and we can live a life empowered by and in step with the Spirit and in community with one another. And perhaps this morning for some of us, and I've also pondered this over the last week, we actually need to remember this incredible good news. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to search us, to lead us and to help equip us to live a life in step with the Spirit, a life of faith, a life of adventure, a life that looks different to the norm that we see around us. But what does this practically look like for each of us? And for those taking notes and looking for the title of my message this morning, it's simply this, got fruit. Incredibly well thought out, I know. And to get super practical this morning, the question we're also going to pose is this. Are there attitudes and actions in our own lives that, like the Galatians, are hurting our personal relationships around us? And if so, how can we get back to the fruit of the Spirit to enhance these relationships and how can we learn from the Galatian church? In our time together today, we don't have time to explore each individual aspect of the fruit of the Spirit together. So we'll be borrowing a framework for exploring it from an incredible commentary called Expositions of the Holy Scripture Commentary. It's a free resource if you find yourself wanting to know more about this. And in this commentary, it's put forth that the fruit of the Spirit can be viewed in three pieces. And yes, that pun was intended. So we'll be exploring these in these three sections, which once again brought a new understanding of this passage to me and really made me wrestle with the question, what is the fruit coming out of my life? So let's jump back into Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24 together and hear what this passage is saying. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And whilst we'll be using this framework of sections to look at the fruit of the Spirit, I felt it also important to point out that we actually need to consider the fruit of the Spirit as one organic whole springing forth from the central root, which is the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot produce fruit on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. We even see Paul use this same metaphor of fruit to describe the conduct of believers in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, Ephesians 5, verse 9, and Philippians 1, verse 11. And when chatting with Pastor Greg this week about this message, we discussed a number of different ways to highlight this, with a great one being thinking about a piece of fruit. Take this orange, for example, one I prepared earlier. And by me, I mean Chloe went and got it for me because I left my other piece of fruit at home because that's how little I eat it. And before anyone asks... No, I'm not about to eat this on stage. No one wants to say that and I've got to keep my fruit-free streak going. We're coming up to 30 years. It's been great. 
But if I was to ask you, what makes up this orange? What would you say? It's made up of its outer skin or the rind, I believe, as it's called. I'm not a fruit expert, so I have no idea. But it also consists of the light white skin on the inside and the wedges and so on. In short, each individual part makes up the orange as a whole. And as we touched on before, the fruit of the Spirit is one organic whole from the Holy Spirit. Now, does anyone want a free orange? No? You can see me afterwards if you do. But to help us in our time today, we'll be looking at each individual piece that makes up the whole. So with that in mind, the first section that we'll be looking at as we see here in verse 22 is love, joy and peace, which is our relation to God's relationship with us or for those who are a bit more visual, our vertical relationship. And even the structure of these aspects is important as most commentaries point out. Love appears first because it is the greatest quality in that it most clearly reflects the character of God. Joy is a close second. For in rejoicing in God's salvation, we as Christians show our affections are rightly placed in God's will and His purpose. And what comes after joy? Peace. Peace is the product of God having reconciled sinners like ourselves to Himself so that we may longer be separated from Him, which should result in a confidence and freedom when we approach Him. The magnitude and significance of our relationship to God cannot be understated. And if we're truly honest with one another, it is the most important relationship that we'll ever have because from it, everything else flows. Nothing compares or can come close to the love our Creator has for us. And it is out of this love that He allows us to have a personal relationship with Him. And as we've just pointed out, that is where our joy and peace should be rooted. But how often do we look for joy and peace in other things. We seek to find joy in all the distractions that are available to us, and we seek to find an inner peace that can only be found in one place, and that place has a name, and his name is Jesus. Imagine what it would do to those around us if, we, if they saw a people of love, a people of joy that cannot be contained, and a people of peace that transcends understanding because we know who we belong to and who calls us son or daughter. Imagine if we truly were a people that fully embodied the good news of Jesus Christ. By living out the life that we're each called to and step with the Spirit, this isn't just something we have to imagine on a Sunday morning together. This is something that we will see come to pass. And everything that we do all comes back to our relationship with God. And yes, that includes our relationships with one another. The big question I've wrestled with this week, especially after Pastor Charles' sermon last week, is am I showing the same sacrificial love that Christ has shown me to those in my world? If love appears first because it is a quality that most clearly reflects the character of God, how can we embody it and show it to those in our personal relationships? Perhaps we could start by asking the question, how do we feel loved? And why not do that for someone else? The second, question, the second section is this, patience, kindness and goodness. Or to put it another way, the embodiment of the Spirit in our lives. Give me a wave if patience is everyone's favourite thing in this room. Let's be honest, we're all friends. Wow, three people. Fun fact, I actually have the word patience tattooed on my hand before anyone asks. Yes, it is spelt 
correct. I'm pretty sure there's no autocorrect on a tattoo. And why did I get it done? I'm still not sure to this day. Once again, has nothing to do with anything, but we'll keep moving forward. But the reason I ask if patience is anyone's favourite is because how often do we try and do our things in our own timing and our own plan rather than God's? If we're to lead a spirit-filled life, that means placing our glorious Saviour first and foremost in our plans, our decisions and our timetables. It also means trusting God's timing, which is tricky to say the least. Trust me, it's been me over the past three weeks with many plans. But if I can encourage you, if you like me with this this morning, God's timing is incredible. Patience is not just about waiting for things. It's about completely trusting God and following Him no matter how long it takes. Or as I more eloquently read it, patience shows that we as Christians are following God's plan and timetable rather than our own and that we've abandoned our own ideas about how the world should work. If this is the definition of patience, then I am so guilty of getting it wrong and wrong time and time again. And I guess I'm not the only one. But then when we look at kindness, we see that it means showing goodness, generosity and sympathy towards others, which likewise is an attribute of God, as we also see in Romans chapter 2. Goodness means working for the benefit of others, not ourselves. Paul mentions this again later on in Galatians chapter 6. When living a spirit-led life, we should be seeing these things embodied in our lives. Because as we touched on at the start of our time together, these ideas are so countercultural and so antithetical to the society that we live in. And I think that we could all agree that a spirit-led life by the Spirit should look different and be a clear point of difference. Not just the same as everyone else with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on for good measure. And this is not a call for perfection or self-righteousness. It is a call to live a life of adventure that is following Jesus. A life that is walking in step with the Spirit and being led by Him. A life that is full of patience even when everyone around you can't understand it. A life that is full of kindness, especially to those who you feel like don't deserve it. A life that is more focused on living for the benefits of others and not ourselves. And if it seems like I'm getting passionate about this, it's because I am. Because living a spirit-led life should be full of adventure. It should be set apart. Even for Paul, who was writing these words, one radical encounter with Jesus changed the whole course of his life and led him on an adventure that would take him throughout Asia Minor and saw the good news of Jesus spread far and wide. Don't we want that? Don't we want to be called a people set apart to embody the good news and hope of Jesus wherever we go? Don't we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? And patience, kindness and goodness are hard to walk out in our personal relationships. Right now, I'm sure that even as I said those words, there are some people's faces popping into your mind that if we're honest, we are doing a great job of showing patience, kindness or goodness. Perhaps once again this week, instead of getting frustrated by them, take a moment to stop and ask the Holy Spirit to give you patience. Why not show them a different way and show them undeserved kindness? If they're a coffee drinker, why not buy them a coffee for no other reason than you just want to bless them? When we allow the Holy Spirit to shift and to shape our attitudes, we will see a shift in our personal relationships. I might get Andy back up on keys if I could, please. Before we dive into this last section together, 
Let's jump back into our passage for a final time and read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The final section that we're briefly exploring together is this. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Or another way to phrase it and think about it is this. How the Christian life is to be lived amongst difficulties and oppositions. For the believers in Galatia, one of the key issues was how they were relating to one another. There were divisions, there were arguments, all things that none of us can relate to, I'm sure, over different opinions and views on issues. But here, once again, Paul reminds them that of what a spirit-led life is to look like. Faithfulness in this context is not referring to a theological faith, but is referring to a believer's faithfulness to one another in community. As some commentaries phrased it, faithfulness in this context is doing what you say you will do, even when it's hard. As followers of Jesus, we should be living a life where our words and our actions line up. If we say something, let's follow through. In my own life, some of the most beautiful Holy Spirit moments I've had with people has simply been when I've rocked up to places that I said I would. It sounds basic, I know. But as followers of Jesus, we are representing Him and often showing Him to those who don't yet call Him Saviour through our actions and our faithfulness, even when it's hard. But what about gentleness? In the broader culture around us, especially in our Western context, gentleness is not viewed highly and is often misconstrued as weakness. But we must be careful to not forget that this is a quality that Jesus Himself attributes to it. Gentleness allows people to find rest in our Saviour and to encourage and strengthen others. We could do a whole nother conversation around gentleness and how a spirit-led life requires rest in our Saviour, but for the purposes of time today, that may have to wait till the next time we're together. When considering gentleness against the backdrop of difficulty and oppression, it paints quite an interesting juxtaposition. Because how often when we find ourselves in tough situations, especially ones where we're being challenged, is our first response, gentleness. And let's be vulnerable and open with one another this morning. Over the past two years, has gentleness been our response to all the lockdowns and different opinions? Once again, this reinforces the countercultural and radical nature of the spirit-led life that each of us has access to. Which leads us to one of the most countercultural aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, which is defined as the discipline given by the Holy Spirit that allows Christians to resist the power of the flesh. The Spirit-led life requires discipline. And there are so many incredible books written around this subject. If you want any recommendations, please come see me after the service. But spiritual discipline is something we often don't speak about. But as followers of Jesus, we're given self-control. We no longer have to give in to our flesh. We have freedom in our incredible Saviour. And I felt important to state this. This is what, once again, not something that you and I have to do in our own strength. It's something we can bring to our Heavenly Father. 
It almost feels like everything around us in this cultural moment is urging us to do the opposite, to not control ourselves, to do, watch or purchase anything we want. Perhaps if we're honest, our lack of self-control is what's keeping us spiritually apathetic and leading us to our sense of constant tiredness. But we are not meant to live this way. We have been given freedom. We are sons and daughters and co-heirs with Christ. And I'm not saying throw out your phone and stop buying things. But I am saying perhaps it's precisely in these things that we should be aware of our desires of our flesh and seek the Holy Spirit for how we interact with them. If the rest of our friends, families and those around us are struggling in this area, perhaps it's up to us to show a different way to live, to once again to embody and live a Spirit-led life. Can we all stand together this morning? So the question we started our time together today was, was with this. What is the fruit coming out of our lives? And are our attitudes and actions pointing people to Jesus? For some of us, there may be some adjustments required in our attitudes and actions, especially in our personal relationships. And if you feel this is you, why not ask someone you trust this week about what they see coming out of your life? And remember, feedback isn't always easy to receive. Trust me, I wrestled with some this week. I got some on this sermon that I was not stoked with at first. But Greg was right. But, so, but if we want to grow, we have to live in community and allow others to help point us back to Christ and once again to that Spirit-led life that we all have access to. For others today, this may be a confirmation of the path that the Holy Spirit is leading you on. But for all of us here today, if you only take one thing away from this message, let it be this. You can live a Spirit-led life and the Holy Spirit can produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It won't be easy, but then again, what great adventure is. We can live a different way to our cultural moment. We can embody the good news of Jesus and to point others towards Him with our words, our actions and our entire lives. We can live a life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and yes, even self-control. And I felt to end our time together this morning in prayer, to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to those of us that need a refreshing and equipping this morning. So with every eye closed for privacy, if you wanna live a Spirit-led life or you wanna strengthen and refreshing to continue to live one, with every eye closed, just give me a wave so I know who I'm praying for. Heavenly Father, thank You that You produce fruit in our lives, Father. Thank You, Father, for Your incredible love for each of us in this room. Holy Spirit, be with us as we leave this room this morning, Father. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, Father, help us to feel Your presence this week. If we're with perhaps a personal relationship, Father, we know we're struggling with, Lord, give us a word of wisdom. Give us a sensitivity, Father, to what the fruit of the Spirit is doing in our lives. Continue to refresh us, Father. Continue to guide us. Continue to equip us, Father. And continue to help us be a, be a people that live a Spirit-led life. We love you so much, Father. In your name, amen. Now, before we close the service today, I'm going to ask you all to keep your eyes closed just for another second. 
I wanted to take a moment to, to acknowledge that maybe some people in this room are watching online that may be saying, this all sounds great, but how do I even get to know Jesus? And that's a great question because the answer will change your life forever. Because when we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness, there is hope and there is freedom. And I know because I only stand here because of Jesus' incredible forgiveness and mercy. So if that is you and you want to begin an incredible journey with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to quickly put your hand up. I'm not going to get you to come out the front just so I know I'm praying for it. If you're watching online as well, simply just send me an email at jordan at unihillchurch.com.au and I'd love to personally have a relationship with you. So if every eye closed, if that's you this morning, just give me a wave. Awesome. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for each of us. Whether we're in the room, whether we're online, Father, minister us, Father. This week, I pray that we're all equipped and released, Father. Help us not to walk out this room the same as we walked in, but Father, continue to minister through a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Father. Be with us through every moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way you love us, the way you continue to guide us, and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, in your name. Amen.